0: Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities.
1: Hello, welcome to Parlor to Plate, a weekly podcast from Everag Insights dedicated to offering listeners enlightening discussion and actionable intelligence about dairy markets. I'm your host, Phil Plord. We're excited to have you along. If you enjoy the show, please like us, subscribe, and tell a friend or two. First things first, let's timestamp today's episode. It's about 11:30 a.m. Central Time on Wednesday, May 24th. Looking at our markets, me block cheddar 158 today, that's up 4 cents from where we were a week ago. Barrel cheddar cheese 152 up 6 cents from a week ago. Spot butter $2.44 down 2 cents. Turning to the grain markets, nearby corn futures $5.87 per bushel, up 4% from last week at this time, and soybeans 1324, down 1%. And last but not least, soybean meal, $405 a ton, down 5% from a week ago. Let's turn to our all star panel. We're excited today to have Katie Burgess, who spends time with commercial and producer clients, Kathleen Wolfie, my podcast partner in the Dairy Download, who helps dairy farmers manage price risk, and last but not least, Jake Kingsley, our director of feed, coming to us from the Dallas Fort Worth area. Jake, I'm within twenty five miles of you, and I should have checked with you yesterday. I need new taco recommendations for the DFW. We don't have good Mexican food in Madison, Wisconsin, so you need to be my guide. Where should I go to next? Well tacos in the DFW.
2: I think I think pretty well anything down in this area is probably better than what you got back home. I would I would agree with you there. Uh my recommendations are all gonna be on the far west side of the metro here.
1: Okay, so we'll work we'll work on it. We'll work on it in the future. Yep. As is the case every week, we're going to start with what's the buzz, talk about what's making the most noise in the areas we cover. Katie Burgess, we start with you today.
0: Yeah, Phil, there has been a lot of buzz swirling in the dairy markets here over the last 24 hours. Yesterday afternoon, USDA came out with a cheese solicitation suggesting that they could buy up to 50 million pounds of cheese for food banks and other programs they run at some unspecified time in the future. I'll note that when USDA comes out with a big notice, people take notice given the volatility caused by the food box program back in 2020, but USDA has made it very clear that this is not another program like that. We don't exactly know how it's gonna play out. The notices we've seen so far are pretty light on details. What we know now is that initial offers are due June 5th, but it is unclear when that cheese is actually going to be delivered or taken out of the market and moved toward the USDA. Our thought is maybe later this year, perhaps into 2024. So without many details, it's hard to know how it's gonna impact the market. Our view is that it leans supportive, but it's hard to forecast how it's gonna impact price right now.
1: Yeah, I mean the ghost of food boxes, you know, is still haunting us. And you know, 50 million pounds of cheese is not a small number, but Over 10 months is a different phenomenon than over five months, right? The last time they did something like this for the same program was a seven-month period and two million pounds, barely noticeable. So the devil will be in the details, correct? That is true. And of course, all the hubbub yesterday blocked cheddar prices down in today's session. So, you know, go figure, right?
0: Definitely not much carry-through here this afternoon.
1: Kathleen... What do you got? From a buzz on
0: the
3: producer side, I'd say milk production. USDA's April milk production report showed output up three-tenths of a percent. And I'd say that one of the big takeaways was on the cow number side. We saw cow numbers down 16,000 head from March to April following a big fire in Texas during the month of April, plus some flooding issues continued in California. But I'd say even with that drop, we're still milking more cows in 2023 than we were a year ago. But that was April. It's now, we're rounding into the Memorial Day holiday at the end of May. We are just about past the peak of spring flush here in the U.S. Schools across the country are thinking about summer breaks. And it seems like no matter where you look, there is still a lot of milk out there.
1: And just on a scale of 1 to 10, maybe, in terms of producer financial pain, milk checks have been ratcheting lower. The headline numbers look worse. I mean, we're getting to serious territory, right, in terms of how low milk prices have gone and and some of the squeeze we're putting on?
3: Yeah, for sure. I I would say that really it depends on region to region. Some areas like the Midwest, I think, are getting a little bit more squeezed than other places like the Northeast. But in general, milk prices have come down very quickly here over the course of the last several months. And with feed costs, at least, and Jake will talk a little bit more about this, but feed costs coming down a little bit more, I think... Could potentially help producers in the long run, but there's still a lot of growing season between now and when we actually see those prices hit producers.
1: Yeah, and some short-term pain between here and there. Jake, what's the buzz in the feed and grain world?
2: Well, I think Kathleen touched on it a little bit there, Phil. We are ahead of the five-year pace on our planting progress here nearing the end of planting season for most folks. All eyes are starting to turn towards the weather forecast and the drought monitor. We're seeing a little bit of a dry patch start to develop in some of the western portion of the ice states. Rains are coming in across the plains states to help give a little bit of drought relief there for the folks that suffered so heavily last year. So really starting to be a weather market. We are seeing some movement on new crop basis, particularly in protein and canola specifically starting to see a drop there, starting to see some attractive numbers in tandem with this futures break we've seen. And then fiber and forage prices declining. I think that's going to be the biggest helper. I know milk's coming down, but one of the cheaper feeds that we can get our hands on is becoming more available and much more cost effective for the ration. So there is a little bit of hope there.
1: That's great, Jake. So you mentioned we're getting to a weather market and that's going to take us to the center of the plate today because one thing that's true about weather markets is they're emotional right hope for rain hope for this hope for that and want to take today's discussion a little different direction and talk about the impact of emotion in markets and the decisions we make for clients i'll just tell a quick anecdote around i i, I relate this story this morning i've done it hundreds of times where you know we have you know, human nature sometimes says we put on a position, we get 25% hedged on milk. And what do we do? We root for the market to go lower. So we're right. I mean, you know, human nature is a bizarre thing. And emotion can drive our decision making and our reaction to what's going on in markets. And as we know, when things get volatile, the emotional volatility goes back and forth as well. So Kathleen, any how do you deal with looking at emotional markets? How do you detach to yourself from it? How do we help clients work with that?
3: Um, this is maybe not a very helpful comment, but hope is not a risk management strategy. So there's again your very unhelpful comment for today in terms of limiting emotional volatility. But you know, I think that just generally it's 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 important to think a little bit more clearly, particularly in the lens of Historical averages. So in 2022, we saw really high milk prices above twenty dollars a hundred weight. So now, when folks are looking at Q4 with class three prices in the just sub nineteen dollar range, class four just above nineteen dollars, it's really kind of hard, I think, for folks to get excited about those price points after seeing plus twenty a year ago. But I think that we're kind of in this position where it's important for folks to recalibrate expectations and taking away that 2022 rose-colored glasses with the expectation of potentially lower feed prices and you know just demand maybe not being quite as strong as we go into the second half of the year, we're probably looking at a downshift in milk prices as we round out this year versus
1: where we were a year ago. Katie, one of the things that we talk about sometimes is the time to make Decisions is when things are good, not when things are bad, right? I mean, it's when th- when milk prices are high is the best time to market milk, and when cheese prices are low might be the best time to buy. You know, just don't assume that the good times are going to keep rolling, if you will. W- what do you see in terms of emotion, in terms of how you look at markets and how you help clients?
0: I'd say that what we've seen happen here over the last twenty four hours is a great example of the markets can just. Give you something you didn't see coming like oh is usda going to buy a lot of cheese or to jake's point is the weather going to cause the market to do this or that and what i've seen when i've worked with customers over the past decade is that those who have a set plan that they flux within they tend to do a lot better in the long run than those making emotional decisions we see hey even if cheese prices are high there's nothing saying they can't go higher so take a look at strategies like buying a call option or maybe do a little more or less coverage depending on the conditions. But the people who I see get in the most trouble in these markets are those who are just kind of letting it ride, going wide open, and then all of a sudden we do have one of these big unknown things coming at us, whether it's a governmental policy, whether other things like that, and then have to make a snap decision in the heat of the moment. And a lot of times that doesn't turn out being a good thing for their business.
1: Panic. If hope is not a strategy, you know panic is not a good place to operate from either, right? That is true. Try to try to avoid the panic. Jake, you know you work on the feed side of the market, but it's really just the same thing, right? I mean, how do you deal with emotion in your own coverage of
2: the markets? Yeah, I mean it's the same thing, just a different commodity here. So come in with a little bit of a strategy. We try to look at historical landmarks for pricing. Of course, understand the current fundamentals and technicals that are affecting what's going on, and then set some goals. Where do we want to benchmark our pricing for the year, and then start to layer into pieces of it. Just like Katie said, you know. Flux within a set plan rather than try to hit home runs at the last second there.
1: I'll just keep the cliches going. Singles hitters are in the Hall of Fame too, right? That's
2: true. That's very true.
1: Kathleen, building
0: on this emotion and hope is not a, hope is not a strategy, I'd say one thing I've seen is sometimes customers, when it comes to the dairy producer side of the fence, sometimes you go out and buy a DRP floor and you don't think it's going to pay out, but it sometimes can be what saves you kind of a hope for the best when the market comes, but plan for the worst. Can you give a couple examples of what you've seen producers work through as it relates to that?
3: Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good point, Katie. Q2 is a great example of, I think th- we saw lots of folks a little hesitant about taking coverage, particularly as we rounded out the end of the contracting period for DRP. But at this point, unless June rallies here in the, in the next couple weeks, it seems like Quite a few of those policies are probably going to pay out. It was more of a disaster coverage type level that that folks were booking. It was relatively inexpensive to buy coverage. But I think that that's a a great example of hope for the best, plan for the worst. And I think as we look into the second half, it's still that conversation around, think of this as disaster type coverage, particularly at, at current feed prices. And hope is not a risk management strategy, but at least
1: plan that
3: if prices do move lower, there's protection in
1: place. And Jake, it seems to me that how you define success matters in this as well, right? I mean, we're in this for the long run, right? We're not in it to be quote, unquote, right next quarter or wrong next quarter, right? Do we have to help clients see that long-term picture and say, look, this decision that we have to make right now may not be fun, but the goal is to stay alive, if you will, until the next time around. I mean, can you talk about that at all?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's tough, especially with the last couple of years worth of market volatility. I mean, we're talking about a $2 swing in corn futures over the last, what, 18 months here or so. You know, you tell somebody to come in and maybe think about buying some $5 corn and that still stings relative to buying $3 corn back in the day, but you know, we're quite a bit better than $7. And so, trying to wrap your head around, okay, what is the current market? What does good look like today versus what we were used to for this five-year stretch? It's it's, it's a tough conversation, but like you said, it we're in the, for the long haul here. $5 corn versus some $15 milk is certainly better than what could be $6 or $7 corn.
1: Thanks, Jake. That was great. Now let's go to our final segment. What are we doing to help clients these days? Katie, you can go first this time
0: building on that conversation, as Kathleen mentioned, there is the thought that dairy prices could move lower as we make our way into the second half of the year, but that's not a guarantee. So what I've been suggesting to my clients these days is still layering little bits of coverage in here and there, especially if we get a weaker day in the market. And I prefer doing it through option strategies. That way they've got a cap in case something unexpected blows this market higher, but are still available to get some of that downside if it comes later on this year.
2: Jake, what
1: have you been doing as these grain markets and feed markets bounce around? How have you been helping clients?
2: We've been trying to take advantage of these dips here, back to that $5 corn mark. You can spend a little bit of money and kind of set that as the high watermark for your corn price for the year and still be wide open to the downside, taking advantage of this nice break in cash canola and then starting to assess soybean meal across the country. You know, these these prices are coming down. We're not loading the boat up at these numbers, but we are taking the first steps in to get a little bit of coverage on. Kathleen, you have the last word.
1: All right. Well, I think
3: from a dairy producer perspective, I've really been looking at trying to get folks covered on fourth quarter DRP. Like I mentioned earlier, the prices compared to 2022 are not terribly exciting, but adding some coverage somewhere around that 30 to 50% layer for Q4, and maybe even wading into Q1 a little bit to at least add a little bit of protection for folks out into the fourth quarter, particularly given that we're priced at a fairly good premium to current cash markets.
1: All right. That's it for today's show. Thanks to our panelists, Katie, Kathleen, and Jake. Thanks as always to Paige Driscoll, our master media person for making us all sound good. And thanks to you, our listeners. Once again, if you like the show, hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. And if you'd like to learn more about how we help you manage risk, contact us at insights.ever.ag. And finally, be sure to check out our new portal, insights.ever.ag. There you can find all the parlor to plates we've ever done. You can find our shows like The Grain Feed, where Jake is a regular player, and access to all of our publications. That's insights.ever.ag. Until the next time, I'm Phil Floyd.